Welcome to EB Spoke, the podcast. Today's episode, all press is good press, except when it's a cybersecurity breach. Imagine the following fictional, but not too fictional story. From the beginning, the CISO and the head of marketing of our fictional company establish a strong working relationship. They regularly held meetings to ensure the marketing campaigns accurately represented the cybersecurity aspects of their products. The marketing team was passionate about highlighting the company's capabilities, but with security's insights, they equally emphasized the robust security features. When the inevitable happened and the company faced a cyber attack, the strong foundation based on collaboration was critical. In the wake of the attack, the company's transparent and coordinated response was amazing. The cybersecurity team provided a clear and concise explanation of the breach, how it was addressed, and the steps taken to prevent future incidents. Meanwhile, the marketing team worked on a communication strategy that was honest and reassuring, maintaining customer trust. The synergy between the CISO and the marketing team not only prevented a potential disaster, but also strengthened the company's market position. Customers and industry peers celebrated its transparent handling of the situation and its strong commitment to security and customer trust. Their story and other real-world examples of it prove when teams work together, understanding and supporting each other's roles, they can not only prevent crisis, but also emerge stronger from the challenges. Thanks for joining today. We are talking today about the CISO and the CMO relationship. The CMO, the chief marketing officer, could be the chief communications officer, could be PR, public relations, all those different concepts rolled into one. How do they interact with the, the CISO, the chief information security officer, from a cybersecurity perspective, from a risk perspective? And how do those two groups work together better and not just when there's an incident? And so that's our topic today. My guest today is Todd Lessam, and he is with Diakonos. Introduce yourself, Todd. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. My name is Todd Lessam. I have a consultancy named Diakonos Management Solutions, where I am the president and chief marketing officer. And some of my services I provide, I help business owners grow their businesses via a data-driven approach. And it's really focused on two key elements, driving top-line revenue and bottom-line cash flow. In addition to that, I also have a data business where I'm the president of the data miners, which is actually a consultancy focused on data analytics, visualization, and everything in between, inclusive of data migration, data hygiene, financial planning for different organizations. So yeah, it's great to be here, Eric. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. I think it's a very important topic. As the listeners know, I talk about the cybersecurity. This is part of a series where last time we talked about communicating with the business leaders. And so now marketing is really responsible for communicating with the world. And, and so cybersecurity, we typically see cybersecurity in a marketing context when the bad thing happens, when we have to get the press release out to the world and say, hey, this thing happened and we need to talk about it. Is that really the best first assumption about the relationship? Where do we really want to start that conversation? Yeah, I think cybersecurity is one of those taboo words. And I think it depends on who your audience is. If you're a business owner, it's something you don't really want to think about, but you need to think about. If you're handing any proprietary data in any way, shape, or form, your business financials, you need to have a plan around cybersecurity. Now, on the flip side, if you're a consumer, if your business is B2C, it's really kind of a complex idea. And the only time you really hear about it is when there's a breach. And that's really an unfortunate situation when you're thinking, my personal information, my name, my address, my phone number, and hopefully not anything worse, has been hacked. And you receive that unwelcome email or letter in the mail from one of your servers. I think you mentioned B2C in particular, and I've worked a lot with B2B customers as well. And they have the problem of 
if they don't do cybersecurity well, their clients are going to ultimately fire them to the point of even potentially put them out of business because if they get a bad reputation for how they handled their clients' data, B2B, I think, is just as important, in some ways more important, perhaps. So let's stick with the topic on the bad thing happened, because I think that's the general assumption of where marketing comes in, and we're going to challenge that later. But while we're there, if we're working together, the same company, the same client, I find out that the bad thing happened, there's been a breach, some data has been stolen, you're doing the marketing. What's the first thing that you want to hear from you? How do we start that conversation and where we go from there so that you have the information you need to communicate effectively? Yeah, I think the step one is no knee-jerk reactions, first and foremost. I think that's where you would want to align not only the CISO and the CMO, but also any team that might be impacted by this. You're going to want to bring in, if you're a large organization, your operations team, because they're going to need to know that once you send out some sort of communication, phone calls are going to increase, emails are going to increase, your contact strategy is going to blow up, and you need to have a sophisticated communication strategy, not just what gets pushed out to the consumer, but to ensure that your team is equipped to handle those escalations and honestly, those upset customers. And you bring up a good point. We think of marketing, again, as the public communication, the PR side of the business. But often, I think you're going to get brought in for internal communications as well, right? Because often with a breach, there's poor communication to the internal team. One, that there may even have been a breach. Two, that there's details. And three, what can they talk about with their customers, with their clients, with their family members? Is part of what you're thinking about, too, the internal communications and how to make sure that everybody knows what they need to know and that they know what they're allowed to say publicly. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to start by using a marketing term, brand. Your brand is what your company stands for. And it takes a lot of work to build your brand. It takes awareness. It takes the ability to produce a great product. And it's hard work. You need to have people that like your product, like your brand. But it only takes one circumstance for someone to start to complain. And a nice little analogy we like to say, it takes so much work to get one person to appreciate you and your brand. If you make one mistake, that person's going to tell 10 how bad you are or that you did something wrong. That's just the reality. And when you have a situation where there might be a data breach, your brand is every piece of your operation. It's not just what you see on the TV, radio, print, whatever your marketing strategy is. It's also how you treat your customers. It's how you communicate with them. When they have a question, how does someone answer the phone or answer the email on the other side? Is it automated EI or is it personalized? These are some of the realities. So when you do have a breach and you have the risk that, you know what, we just have a giant bullseye on us, unfortunately, as a business. You want to make sure you have a full shield of armor and that you are strategically prepared when you communicate to your customer. And I think that's a great segue to where I want to challenge that assumption that marketing only gets pulled into a cybersecurity incident to help damage control. I believe, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, that we can move that relationship earlier in time so that we are strategically aligning marketing with cybersecurity, with operations, with all the, the groups in a way that good cybersecurity is actually a strategic asset to the marketing team, something that they actually can take to the market. Share what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think, again, it, it depends upon your audience. So if you, and we mentioned this a little bit earlier, if, if you're in a B2B situation, if you're selling to businesses, absolutely, I think that can be a critical message to that business owner. Why? Because it is important. And now you're talking about asset protection and you are talking about risk mitigation. These are really critical to your overall health of your business. So can that be a message 
that could actually potentially drive growth? Or could that possibly a message to help your retention efforts, a value added proposition for your product? Absolutely. In my opinion, on the B2C front, business to consumer, it's a little bit trickier. And this is based off some of my historicals, my former life and a Fortune 50 company. We had security products. And based off our research and testing, the security message really didn't resonate with from an acquisition perspective, trying to grab new customers as a lead message from cybersecurity. Now, that being said, when we added it as a value-added proposition, we did see some retentive benefit. And, and I came from a SaaS company, from a subscription-based company. So you're really looking at two ends of the funnel, new customer acquisition and customer retention. And my hypothesis behind this is cybersecurity from a consumer perspective, it's complex. That's the reality. It's not something you think about day in, day out. You really just want, at the end of the day, if you're a tech company, you just want, as a consumer, you just want it to work. At the end of the day, make it work when you're using it. And if something doesn't work, you have a great experience and people or technology that is willing to help you through that challenge. And really security and specifically cybersecurity from a consumer perspective, it's not top of mind. From what I learned, there's a long educational period to try to get there from a consumer perspective. Whereas on the business front, I think it's much more straightforward. And that's where I would focus my efforts on how cybersecurity can partner in a larger way with the marketing. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And where I've seen it interestingly effective is in the B2B context where a company is selling a product, a SaaS product, for example, and they know that their product is going to have hooks into your data, hooks into your systems that are going to be a risk. And they're upfront about that. And they're very transparent on what they're doing to protect it. And then that becomes part of their sales pitch. It becomes part of their message. Yeah, absolutely. And as a business owner, you know, at the end of the day, you just want peace of mind. You just want to know whatever you're purchasing, it's going to work. And you have peace of mind that you're protected. And I think that's definitely where the B2B front, it can be an asset for you. On the B2C side, I think there's something to consider about privacy. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about marketing and data and its intersection with privacy. So maybe if we introduce that concept, I'm a consumer, I'm on a website. You're right. I don't actually understand or care about the security, perhaps, but I probably do at this point care about the privacy or there's more education. Consumers are more concerned about privacy than they historically have been. Does that change the message then? It's tricky. And I'll tell you why. There's a lot of government battling occurring between what I'll just mention the two major players, Apple and Google and privacy. It's really up in the, the DC realm. From an end consumer perspective, and I'm going to speak for myself, Every time I go to a website, there's a little button at the bottom that says, will you accept cookies? Well, nine times out of 10, I just hit yes, yes, yes. Why? Because it's blocking me to looking at the content that matters. So from that end consumer perspective, I'm not really thinking about it, truth be told. Now, from a marketing perspective, full transparency, the access to data that is available online and the targeting capabilities with some of the new technology, it's creepy. It really is. And that is why I believe there's a lot of discussion going on in D.C. But from an end user perspective, they just want it to work. They don't want to have a pop up on my device or on my screen right here. They just want it out of the way because I'm going to that page, that app with an intended purpose to do something. And those little privacy notifications, they just get in the way. It's very true. And to your point, they came from regulations. Since we're talking about marketing. The easy solution is just to get rid of them because we don't track anything. We don't actually store any data about you. That's a terrible idea from a marketing perspective though, right? So maybe expand on that struggle of marketing needs the data. 
and the privacy rules say, and now we have to make it less convenient for your customer. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, full transparency. I'm a, I'm a self-confessed data geek. I love data. That's why I have a data business. But I grew up in a mentality and I was led by some amazing leaders from a marketing perspective that to make data-driven decisions. Marketers are constantly looking at what is the best data available that will equip me to make my next best business decision on investment, on communication, on messaging, on the tactics. So when you start to think about that, there's really been a huge push, I'd say over the past 10 to 15 years on personalization. Now, what personalization basically means is, Eric, I have the opportunity based off data to communicate differently to you versus you would me. Now, from a marketer, we're salivating. We're thinking, wow, that is amazing. And there's data behind the more you personalize, the more opportunity to be relevant. And you can quickly achieve your goals, whatever that goal is, whether it's a phone call, a click, or a conversion, depending upon whatever that definition is. So that's the one side of the house as it relates to marketing. We're hungry for data. On the flip side is, there is a very real situation, and we talked about it with SaaS. If you're in a SaaS organization or a membership or a subscription-based organization where you're obtaining and holding on to consumer data and you're leveraging that to make business decisions and growth decisions in addition to just the privacy, now it gets tricky, full transparency. Depending upon your organization, you might be heavily regulated and that would put different parameters on how you can use the data and to what level and what different parameters from a governance perspective you have. If you're in a less regulated situation, actually, those are the companies that are probably most at risk because they're not thinking about cybersecurity. However, have this very, very valuable asset, which is consumer data. And if I'm going back, I know last year, the cost per data breach was approximately $170 per record. I don't know if it's gone up this year or not. I expect that it has, but you're a smaller company and you don't have a cybersecurity strategy or you're not thinking about it. You're putting your business at risk, especially if you're in a SaaS or a membership-based company where you have consumer data. Yeah. And I think it's a great point. And hopefully businesses are recognizing that businesses are maybe just recognizing they need to buy insurance to discover their cybersecurity risk. And that process will help them understand that they actually have to have the program before you can have the insurance. The carriers aren't going to cover you if you don't have the program in place. The data, I think, is, is interesting though, right? Because to your point, we're gathering this data. It's part of our product. It's what we're doing. We're trying to then market to it. C coming at it from the cybersecurity professional, data becomes a new risk, right? It becomes the target. It becomes the, the crown jewels that the hackers are trying to steal because all that personal data is a treasure trove for hackers if they're trying to steal identities, all that. And so I think that's where the security team and the marketing team kind of have to have that meeting and that conversation. Happy to talk about the cybersecurity part of that conversation, but maybe first talk about the marketing and what you're asking for, what your requirements are, and then we can think about how do we protect that. Yeah, so I'm going to play the role of both the data miner and the, the analytics leader, and then at the same time, the CMO who is hungry for data and trying to mesh the two together from my perspective. So from one perspective, as the marketer, I am most interested in trying to find out as much granular information as I can about my consumer base, their buying behaviors, any demographic information that I have access to. That could be age, income, that could go on and on and on, my preferences. That is what I'm hungry for to create an optimal marketing strategy to drive growth, whether it's new revenue growth and or just harvesting more revenue for my existing base. From the cybersecurity side, putting on my analytics hat, I think that's really where you talk about governance and what type of governance do you have 
and that you can put in place within your organization to think through, how do you share this data across your teams? How are you sharing your list criteria that you're sending to different marketing agencies? What are those parameters? How locked down are they behind what firewalls, behind what type of VPNs? So when I think about how they mesh together, the CMO is thinking about what data do I have access to? In Harmony, you can, from a CISO perspective, and this, this is me talking, you might have access or different levels of access based off job title, job description, based off your needs. However, there might be a higher level of governance on how you use that data inside the organization and outside the organization. And as you go maybe down to more of the practitioner level, depending upon how large your organization is, you may have access to different levels of information. But for an example, you can't email it. It has to be behind the firewall. It has to be behind different levels of security to ensure that, honestly, your inside operations are buttoned up. So there can definitely be a mesh and a relationship between marketing and the CISO and how the data is used and shared internally and externally. It just requires a conversation and to be open-minded and to make sure that on one side of the house, the CISO understands the needs of the CMO, but on the flip side, the CMO understands the requirements and the why behind possibly heightened security requirements. As long as there's communication, you can come to an agreement and alignment. You may not always like the answer, but you can get there. Absolutely. And I think it may become part of a negotiation for sure. And I think the we're almost missing that third party here, that the chief data officer, because they have that governance role. If your organization's big enough to have that, that's its own part of the business. The thing that I think was interesting that you mentioned, though, is there's a tendency, call it five years ago, where storage was so cheap that everyone is saying, store everything, just store the data. We don't know what we're going to do with it. Just store it. We'll figure it out later. That ran into the, the privacy world, and they said, don't store things that you have no business need to store because that's just going to become a press release later saying, oh, sorry, this data was leaked. We don't know why we had it, but we know we've lost it. Do you see that shift changing in the marketing space as well, where you're actually now storing less data or to your point, maybe you're just governing it better, you're still storing it, but that whole shift of store it because it's cheap and we don't know why we need it to just store absolutely what there's a business justification for. Yes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play two roles again. I think as a marketer and as a business leader, the more historical data you have on your consumers and trending, you're going to want to have access to that. Why? Because as we've learned over the past four years, there's a, there's a disaster that occurs called COVID. And that just completely shifted the entire business environment in so many different ways. And we're still trying to come out of it where a lot of businesses went under and some survived, but they, the ones that survived, they had to adapt. They're not playing the same playbook they played in 2018. Now, with that being said, and this is from my personal experience, when I've been working with clients, when we were within like maybe 22, 23, we were trying to look back and say, how did our business perform in 2016, in 2017, in 2018, and 2019 before COVID occurred? And from that perspective, we were trying to mirror back, what did 2022 look like? Does it look similar in any of these scenarios? How about 2023? Are there any insights we can draw from that would maybe help us be a little bit more predictive on where we need to grow our business? What are some of the trends so that we can make, as a putting on my CEO hat for a moment, the tough decisions? Where do I invest? Do I have the right staffing model? These are some of the tougher business decisions. But if you don't have that stored data, now you're shooting from the hip. And that's a very scary place to be as a business owner, as a CEO. And that's kind of the counterpoint. Now, I understand the consumer 
side of the house. Why do you have my information? I'm going to put on my legal hat for a second. That's where you put all your terms and conditions and relationships with your organization. That's where you, I hate to say, get by it, but it's true. And I think that's where there could be risk. You don't have that upfront in your disclaimers, in your legal terms and conditions, if you're a SaaS company. That's where I think data and data governance and cybersecurity, that's where it's not just a person or a cyber CISO security team. It's an organizational decision. And you really have to have multiple players at the table to make the right business decision. So that one, there's alignment. And especially if you're in a B2B scenario and you have consumer data, you have to have that alignment just to make sure. Because once you have that alignment, you can layer it down throughout your entire organization. And at the end of the day, it's about having a strategy, having a strategy that's action. If there's been a thread today, it's been how to make this a strategic conversation rather than reactive, rather than even tactical. How are we aligning the interests of the business? of protecting the information of the business, of leveraging the information of the business, of building the brand, all those things together really are one conversation that the organization has to have together and then go forth and execute each individual component. So I think what I'm curious too about, maybe pivot to the conversation just a little bit, see, get your thoughts on, we talked about, we stored all the data because we didn't know what we we're gonna do with it. To your point, we can derive insights. There was a time when we stored it because we didn't know how we were gonna use it. You mentioned insights, you mentioned analytics, you mentioned the predictive analytics that you can do. And that was really the motivator, in my opinion, of why we are storing so much data was for things like machine learning, for things like predictive analytics, because there are probably trends in our data that we're not even aware of. You mentioned earlier, if we don't store it, then we're shooting from the hip. We don't know that there's a trend there to even understand. From your data, from your marketing perspective, how impactful is all the data that we can gather, that we can store? And we can anonymize it, right? It doesn't actually have to be the individual's name and email for some of this analytics. In terms of the machine learning and the in that area, that is still very much a, I think, an emerging technology space for marketing. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Data by itself really is. It just it might as well collect dust if you're not acting on it. Now, from my opinion and from my purview, I think that's where an organizational structure of having the right analytics structure set in place that one is looking at the data, that the data in and of itself is in a format usability, whether it's in a warehouse or some sort of environment so that you can actually analyze it and draw conclusions from it. That's a person, that's not a technology, that is a person or a team. I think with machine learning and AI became the catchphrase of the year last year and for some good and some bad, the reality is machine learning has been around since the late, you know, 2008 to 2010, that's when it really started to emerge in a way and companies started using it. That's the reality. Now, I think where AI, and I think this is where there's a lot of confusion on what AI can do, what machine learning can do. First, do you have a data strategy? Yes or no? From that step one, then you can identify two, what role can machine learning and AI do for your business? It doesn't mean AI is going to take over your business. And that's unfortunately saw some of those articles last year where some companies got really excited about AI and guess what? They had a data breach, they made a mistake and they just had their brand impacted. So I'm very strategic in nature. So you have the data, you have a strategy. Then you look at it from a lens. What can machine learning do for your business? Where can it help improve your performance? Where can it help extrapolate for you? better insights. And, and from a marketing perspective, I'll take this for a moment. 
maybe AI can leverage and say, hey, Eric, your profile, your persona, it's a marketing term, your type of environment, who you are, you're an ideal client for me. AI, help me understand from my existing data set, what are other Eric's out there so that I can learn more about them and maybe build a unique strategy around profitability. That is one application of how machine learning and AI can be used. Another application, we'll just tie it into more an operation perspective. Maybe you identify you have a certain issue within your source service realm and you can leverage AI. You might have one or two scenarios where that occurs, but you can leverage the power of AI to kind of extrapolate more circumstances that might be tied into it. And that provides you an opportunity to dig deeper, to understand if this truly is a problem, yes or no. And then from there, provide a solution that may help your operations somehow, somewhat. I know I went a little bit around the clock, but it starts with strategy and then thinking about what role does AI play in your organization? And probably better said, what role can it play? And the reality is, can it replace people in the long run? It can. Are people jumping to it? They are. And you got to start with strategy. You always need to start with strategy, then move to what is the opportunity and then put into place what role does AI, machine learning, how can it improve? That's the key point. How can it improve your business operations, your profitability, your marketing, et cetera. But we saw quite a few people jump in both feet and uh, well, they got burnt. That's the reality. Yeah. And I think that's a great tie in to the risk side of it. Cybersecurity is a risk management practice, but so is everything you just talked about. There's a risk to jumping in too soon. There's a risk jumping in in the wrong way, may not even be too soon. So the idea that we have data, that we have a goal to build a brand, that a goal to protect our data, ultimately are all forms of risk management. But, you know, who wants to talk about risk management? Not a cool advertisement, <laughs> not revenue growth. And, and let's be real. I mean, when we talk about security, when we talk about data and data infrastructure, these are non-revenue generating practices. It is risk management. But you brought up insurance earlier. You don't need insurance until it's too late. And, and that's how, unfortunately, a lot of businesses think about cybersecurity, especially on the B2B realm. But if you don't, and you're a SaaS or membership or subscription-based business, that's where my area of expertise is. You're playing with fire at that stage. Yes, absolutely. That's a great point. As we're kind of coming to the close of the conversation, I'm curious if you had any stories that you'd like to share, any examples where you've seen marketing, cybersecurity, data work well, work poorly, anything just to kind of bring it home to the listeners. Yeah, so in my former life, we launched a security solution. It was a value-added proposition for our customers. And as marketers, ooh, we have a shiny new object. Let's talk about it. Let's spray it everywhere. And we put in our acquisition message. So definitions. Acquisition is you're not currently a customer of my product today. You would be a brand new relationship for my business. So we put it into market everywhere. And I'm talking, we jump both feet in all over the place. But what we learned is as the information came back, as the user insights came back, and there's a lot of data and analytics from a marketing perspective, we learned from a B2C perspective, it didn't drive the desired growth we were looking for. And at that time, it was clicks to a website and phone calls into the business. Conversely, we didn't really see a lot of improvement from a B2B perspective. However, we did see a couple leading indicators when we got very narrow that gave us reason to believe this isn't necessarily a bad thing to continue to explore. So I share that with you on a couple fronts. One, marketing is not just the TV show Mad Men. 
people sitting around drinking martinis, smoking cigars. That might happen on occasion, but really marketing is a data-driven business, driven by insights, driven by data. And the good marketers, and I hate to say it, there's good marketers and bad marketers out there. The good marketers are going to work in an agile environment where they're going to continually test, learn, adapt, test, learn, adapt. And once you learn that something's working, we put that into business as usual and you continue to learn, test, learn, adapt. That is a good operating model for a marketer. So I share with that the critical nature of data for a marketing perspective. When you're a marketing-driven, a growth-driven organization, data is critical to your success. However, how you leverage that data and specifically to cybersecurity, how you might put that message into market, think about who your audience is. And you know, from a technical perspective, sometimes you have a bright, brand new toy you want to talk, scream it from the mountaintops. Doesn't mean it's going to drive growth. And that's where the partnership really needs to take place between a CISO, a product team, the marketing team to really sit down and, and there's common themes. Strategy and collaboration. Talk about what's the best way to leverage either cybersecurity from a risk perspective or possibly from a growth perspective. So there's opportunities out there for it. But from my experience, just don't assume that it's going to hunt. Don't assume it's going to drive that growth. There might be a different lever you can play with in order to leverage your security strategy or your security product. Excellent advice. And a way to put a point on everything we've been talking about. Thank you for the conversation today, if folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. So um, I'm going to give everyone my data business website. Why? Because my other business, I broke every single marketing rule with Diagnos. No one knows what it means. No one knows how to say it. And it's hard to spell. So shame on me as a marketer. Even marketers can have challenges from time to time. So if people want to reach out to me, they can learn more about my business models with the data miners, www the T A G data D A T A Myers M I N E R S dot org or feel free to email me at Todd L at the data dot org and I'd be happy to talk with you about data analytics marketing I love it all yeah thanks for that and any parting words of wisdom as we wrap things up yeah just really thank you I'm a strategy person I'm a strategy guy so I know that. As a business owner, as a leader, as a CEO, you want to just jump. You just want to go. The biggest word of encouragement I can give anyone from a marketing, from a strategy, from a CISO, from a data and analytics, spend intentional time building a strategy first. At the end of the day, when I'm a fractional CMO, I help business leaders spend their money more wisely at the end of the day. It's all about return on marketing investment. More times than not, I see people stumble and flush money down the drain because they don't have a strategy at first. So whether it's a data strategy, marketing strategy, take the intentional time to build a strategy first. I received some great wisdom earlier in my career. Plan the work and then work the plan. Real simple. You don't work the plan first because you don't have a plan. And that's just wasted time, wasted effort, wasted money. Great parting words. So thank you, Todd, for joining me today. And I appreciate the conversation, the wisdom and look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you for listening to EB Spoke, the podcast. This podcast is produced by Eric Bowmans and features a wide variety of topics. Keep listening as we explore the CISO's relationship with other members of the C-suite in upcoming episodes. Thanks and have a great day.